Today we're wrapping up our series, Remind Me Who I Am. And we've been looking at who we are, who God says we are as Christians. Because when you know who you are, it changes things. It changes how you make decisions. I believe it changes your priorities, your attitude. It changes how you use your time, your talent, your energies. It changes absolutely everything because when you know who you are, you know what to do. It's very defining. So I want to ask you, what do you think of when you hear the word Christian? You know, the answer to that question really varies according to who you ask the question of. Like some people, you say, what do you think of when you hear the word Christian? They go, well, I think of someone that their life's been changed by Jesus Christ. Or, oh, uh, that's uh, someone that, that loves uh, God a lot. You know, they're usually very loving, very compassionate. They're typically very generous. Uh, as a general rule, they're people of integrity. Someone else would go, no way. Christians are, are judgmental. They're out of touch. They're narrow-minded. They're pushy. They're phony. They're not very trustworthy. Christians are, are known for what they're against, and they're against anything that, that's fun. In fact, Christians are even against other Christians. What do you think of when you hear the name Christian? You might find it interesting, Jesus never used the term Christian. Now, there's nothing wrong with the term. I use it often. We talk about Christians around here on a regular basis. But the term means different things to different people. Again, it's according to who you ask. The, the term Christian, when it was first used in the first century, was really a term that made fun of followers of Jesus Christ. They, they would uh, use that, that word Christian, and what they really meant was a bunch of little Christs, miniature imitations of Jesus, which is really, if you think about it, kind of a compliment. But it was first used as a derogatory term. It was not a good term in that day. Jesus never asked anyone to be a Christian. Jesus asked people to be something else. Jesus wanted people to be disciples. In a scripture, Matthew, we're told the story as Jesus was walking along, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at his tax collector's booth. Now, Matthew, Matthew was a tax collector. He would have been despised. In fact, some people would have considered Matthew to be a criminal. I mean, by some people, that, that's what they would have said. But he, Jesus, walking by, he says, follow me and be my disciple. Jesus said to him, so Matthew got up and followed him. You, you notice, Jesus didn't say, hey, Matthew, I want you to believe what I believe. He didn't ask him to be a Christian. He didn't ask Matthew to go to church. He didn't ask him even to follow a certain set of rules or guidelines. No, Jesus sees Matthew and he says, follow me, be my disciple. Will you be my disciple? Will you leave where you are, Matthew, and follow me? 
Scripture says, Matthew heard the invite, and he got up and he followed. The, the Greek word there for disciple, it, it means learner, uh, pupil, follower. Again, Jesus didn't say, hey, come be a Christian. Jesus says, come be my disciple. Come be a learner. Come be a pupil. Come follow me. In other words, Jesus said, I'm not asking you to believe what I believe. No, it's, it's more than belief, Matthew. What I'm asking for you to do is I'm asking for you to live like I live, to love like I love, to do what I do. Matthew, I'm asking you, will you follow me in that? Let's do life together. Let's change the world together. I'm not inviting you to be a part of a church. I'm not inviting you to be a part of a club. I'm not even inviting you to some belief system. I'm inviting you, here it is, into a personal relationship. A relationship with me, Matthew. You as my disciple. Christians, something you need to be reminded of. You need to be reminded who you are. You are not just a Christian. In other words, you're not your own. You were bought with a price. Jesus Christ died for you. You belong to him. You are a disciple. You're a follower of Jesus Christ. And when you know who you are, what? Really? you know what to do. When you know who you are, what? You know what to do. You are in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And that requires time. It's like any other relationship. The more you invest in that relationship, the more you get out of it. You cannot be a part-time disciple. You can't do the kind of hit and miss, hey, if I happen to get around to it kind of thing. If, if you were being trained by someone, mentored, you would grab every opportunity that you can to be trained and taught. You know, like Bill Gates, if he was your mentor, you'd make time because you want to learn what he knows. You, you don't throw just a couple minutes a week if you happen to get around to it. You don't throw a couple minutes at it and go, hey, I've got five minutes for you. What do you have for me today? That is not a relationship. I'm not sure what it is, but it's not a relationship. Being a disciple means spending time with Jesus Christ, period. Jesus said, Anyone who wants to be my disciple must what? Follow me. Because my servants must be where I am, and the Father will honor anyone who serves me. That is a very powerful statement. And there, there are several things that hit me when I was studying this week. One, being a disciple is a choice. It's a choice that you make and I make. It's not something that God forces on us. And get this, it doesn't just happen. It doesn't just happen. It's not automatic. Oh, I'm a disciple. It's a choice you make. 
You have to decide, am I going to follow? Am I going to grow? Am I going to have a relationship with Jesus Christ or not? You've heard us say this before around here. You are as close to God as you choose to be. If you're not close to God, don't blame someone else. Don't blame your spouse or your kids or your job or whatever. You're as close to God as you choose to be. If you're not close, it's because you choose not to be. See, being a disciple, it requires time, it requires a choice, and it requires a commitment on your part. Again, being a disciple is not a passive thing. It's active. Jesus says, you know, anyone, anyone who wants to be my disciple must follow. They must follow. In other words, you can't just sit there. Today, for some of you, the word you need to hear, move it, move it, move it. You got to kick it in gear. You got to get to it. Being a disciple requires movement on your part which means you got to have commitment. It's true in every area of your life. If you make a commitment, it makes you grow, doesn't it? It helps you make tough decisions when they come along. It gives you the strength to endure, to see something through. Why? Because I made a commitment. You know, I, I do not learn if I don't make commitments. I do not grow without commitments. Commitments, if you avoid them, well, you stay immature. Your commitments define your life. Make the wrong commitments, you will waste your life. You are the sum total of the things that you commit to. You ever thought about that? What's your commitments say about you? I mean, here is a serious problem, I think, in our, in our country and in our culture. Some of you have a fear of commitment. So the way you handle that, you just don't commit to anything. The bigger problem, though, I think in our culture, is over-committing. You cannot commit to everything. You can't. You shouldn't commit to everything. A lot of things just aren't worth committing to. The fact is, if you're committing to everything, you're committed to nothing. And that's kind of a way of getting at and saying, choose very wisely what you commit to. Being a disciple of Jesus Christ, it requires you to make a choice. It requires you to make a commitment. It is a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Being a Christian, again, it's not about rules. It's not about regulations. It's not about ritual. It's not about some formula. It's not about expectations. It's about a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's about spending time with God. Jesus says, my servants must be where I am. Now, obviously, we can't physically be with Jesus Christ. We can't go hang out with Jesus. But you know what you can do? You can talk to him. You can have what I call a, a running conversation with him throughout the day. One that doesn't, doesn't stop. You know, I talk to God all the time. I, I have never, 
in all my years, I've never audibly heard God. But I've sensed God. You know, there's those times, um, like I'll be having a conversation with someone, and they're kind of telling me what's going on in their life and pouring out a lot of stuff. And there are times that I'm sitting and I'm listening, and in my mind, I'm thinking, you know, God, I don't have a clue how to help them. I'm not sure even what to say, God. And here's the amazing thing, is God, through his Holy Spirit, sometimes prompts me, gives me an insight, or makes something like pop in my head. And friends, that's something that only relationship with God will do for you. I mean, I I talk to God when I'm reading my Bible, when I get in the hot tub in the morning, when, when I'm driving in, in the car or maybe facing a tough decision in my life, I just have a conversation with God. You know, those times when I'm feeling down or I see something that, that really bothers me, kind of knocks me down a little bit. I have those conversations when, I don't know if you saw the sunset uh, a couple nights ago, but it was just brilliant red. And I thought, wow, only God Only you could do that. It's just an ongoing conversation where I just talk to God. And I've been having those kind of conversations for almost 40 years now. And I'll be honest with you, when I first started having conversations with God, it was one-way conversation. It was me talking to God. It was me commenting on something venting, begging, asking. Sometimes it was me just talking out loud with God, kind of working through stuff in in my life. And at first, I didn't hear God at all. But then over time, as I kept having those conversations, I, I started sensing things. I'd be having a conversation and I'd think, was that God? Was that thought from the Holy Spirit? Was that, that thing that I felt, was that God prompting me? And so I would kind of test it out a little bit. You know, and you've heard me say this before. God will never prompt you to do something that contradicts the Bible. And so I'd look at what the Bible had to say on how I felt God was trying to move me. And if it tested, and it was good, and it didn't contradict then i just follow that lead, whatever it was, that thought, that impression. i I just go, and what happened as I got those thoughts and those impressions, I began to grow, and then I began to recognize, and I go, yeah, that's God. That's the Holy Spirit. I better get to it. Now I don't even blink. I just move, you know. Okay, God. As I spent more and more time with God, just having those conversations, those thoughts, those impressions, prompts, whatever word you want to use, they got clearer and clearer and clearer. If the only time that you spend with God is when you happen to make it to church once in a blue moon, well, no wonder you're confused all the time. I mean, if the only time you have a conversation with God is when you have a crisis in your life, well, what's that say about your relationship with God? 
Really, what's it say? Christians, remember who you are. You are a disciple of Jesus Christ. You are in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And when you know who you are, you know what to do in your life. Friends, disciples of Jesus Christ must love him supremely. There's no in-between. You know, Scripture says this, those who come to me, Jesus says, cannot be my disciples unless they love me more than they love their father and mother, wife, husband, children, brothers, sisters, and themselves as well. I mean, what's Jesus saying there? Jesus is saying that your love for God should be so intense that your love for everything else pales by comparison to it. You notice it doesn't mean that you don't love other people. In fact, I believe the more you love God, the more you do love other people. But Jesus is saying that your love for God should be first. It should be foremost. That your love for God, it ought to reign supreme. That kind of love, it's called worship. When you spend time with God on a regular basis, when you really understand what he's done for you, what he's doing in you, well, friends, I think it is a natural outpouring. Worship just becomes natural. You know, Jesus says, you must love me more than anything else, anything else. In fact, your spiritual growth, people go, how do I know if I'm very spiritual? Your spiritual growth, if you want to measure it, it's measured by how much you love. It's not measured by how much you know. It's not measured by how many scriptures you can quote. It's not measured by what you say. It's not measured by how many church services you go to or Bible studies you're a part of and attend. It's measured by how much you love God. And again, when you love God, it spills over into loving other people. We'll talk about that in a few minutes. You know, one day, Jesus is teaching. And there's a guy in the crowd. He, he's an expert at religious law. And he's listening very intently to Jesus. And this guy apparently comes up afterwards and, and he asks Jesus, he asks him a very key question. He says, what is the most important commandment? What's the one thing, Jesus, that is above everything else? And Jesus replied and said, the most important one's this. Listen, Israel. That's his way of saying, everybody, listen up. This is important. The Lord our God is the only Lord. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Christians, remember who you are. You're a disciple of Jesus Christ. And here's a question for you. Do you love God? Do you love God more than anything else? Because whatever you love the most is what you worship. It's what you worship. In other words, if you love your job, you will worship your job. Everything will revolve around your job. If you love money the most, then you will worship money and everything will revolve around money. 
You know, if you love your, your boat or your car or your home or whatever it is, you will worship it and you will focus. You will put all your energies around that. Worship is whatever you give your best to. What do you give your best to these days? You know that word uh, that's translated worship in the Greek, it literally means to kiss. To kiss, to show affection to, to shower with love to the point that you don't care what people think you don't care what it costs you don't care what the sacrifice is because why you just want to show love that's worship i mean does that sound like your relationship with god you know jesus says that your love for god it should be the most important thing then he gives us the second piece. He goes, second most important command is this. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. <laughs> that whole love thing. It's a tough one. Christians, there's different levels there. We're to love one another. You know, the love thing gets harder and harder as you move on. It's easy to love God. Why? Because God's perfect. But you're not. And so it's hard to love you. And you go, well, it's a lot harder to love you than it is for me to love you. You know, I mean, it's tough, isn't it? Let's be honest. Sometimes we're irritating. Sometimes we're obnoxious. Sometimes we're rude and self-centered. Sometimes, let's just say, we're problematic, okay? Jesus says, you're my disciples. You can't just love me. You have to love each other. You have to love the people that are in the family of God. You know, through the years, people every once in a while, they come up to me and they go, hey, I, I love Jesus. I love God. Can't stand the church, though. I love Jesus, but I don't like Christians. If you're a Christian today, you are called to love other Christians. You're called to love imperfect, fault-prone, sinful people that have been forgiven. You know, Jesus says that the church matters. Jesus died for the church. Do you know it's the only thing that will last into eternity? The church and Christians. It's the only thing going to be in heaven. I mean, Walmart, it won't last forever. Apple, as cool as it is, it will not last forever. The Democratic Party, the Republican Party won't last forever. America won't last forever. Only the church, only the family of God will last into eternity in heaven. Christians together for eternity. We are to love one another. It's not an option. The Bible says that Jesus Christ died for the church. The church is, in Scripture, called the bride of Christ. How many of you are married? Let me see hands. All right, how would this go with you if I come up to you after the service and I go, hey, you know what? I really like you, but I can't stand your spouse, man. Whew. 
I mean, it wouldn't set right, would it? And rightfully so. The, the Bible says that the church is the body of Jesus Christ. So how about this? How about if I come up to you after service and I go, you know what? I like you. But your body, not so much. After I picked myself up off the ground. I mean, you'd be offended, wouldn't you? When you say that you don't like the church, you're saying you don't like the body of Jesus Christ. John writes this, he says, if someone says I love God, but hates a Christian brother or sister, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people we can see, how can we love God whom we can't see? Love one another. We're to love one another. You know, that's why in Scripture, the one another term, it's used over 58 times in the New Testament. You know, it's care for one another. Help one another. Serve one another. Pray for one another. Encourage one another. Support one another. Love one another. It's what we're to be about. Jesus kind of takes this love thing. He keeps taking it up a notch, you know. It's, it keeps ratcheting it up. He says, says, love God. Love God. I'm good on that. Love Christians. Love one another. Okay, it's hard, but okay, I'll love them. And he says, I want you to love a lost world. I want you to love people that are out there. See, a relationship with Jesus Christ is very, very different than any other religion. I mean, every major religion, the, the more holy you are, the more godlike you are, the more you isolate yourself. You know, Buddhism, Hinduism, Islam, the more holy you are, the more you isolate yourself, the more you separate yourself from people in the world. Jesus taught just the opposite. In fact, Jesus doesn't isolate. We find Jesus in the marketplace like he was the day he called Matthew. We, we find Jesus at parties all the time. In fact, Jesus was at so many parties that the Pharisees, religious leaders of the day, they called Jesus a glutton and a drunk. They called him a friend of tax collectors, which was a slam, a friend of sinners, because Jesus had this deep, deep love for people. Jesus loved people with everything that was in him. Jesus loved God with everything that was in him. He, he loved the people. He loved people that loved God, and he loved people that did not know God. In fact, he loved people that were really far from God. Christians, we are to imitate Jesus Christ. It's who we are. It's what we're called to do. Because when you know who you are, you know what to do, don't you? I mean, what do we do? What do we do? Well, Christians, we are called to love and to reach out to people, people that do not know God, people that do not have a relationship with God. We, we talked about this last week. 
you know, and so I'm just going to real quick hit on it. But we are salt and light. That's what we talked about last week. We are influencers for God. We are called to shine for God in such a way that we make a difference in people's lives. See, disciples make disciples. If you're a Christian today, you're a Christian because somebody, someone told you about Jesus Christ. It may have been your parents, may have been a friend, may have been a neighbor, but somebody told you about Jesus Christ. If you're a Christian, you are a disciple. You're a follower of Jesus Christ, and you are to love people enough to risk it, to walk across the room, walk across the office or wherever, and share your faith. Why? Eternity's in the balance, friends. Eternity's in the balance. Jesus' last words to his disciples and to us And it really tells you what was on Jesus' heart that day. He says, go, go then to all the people everywhere and make them my disciples. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. And teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. And I will be with you always till the end of the age. Why make disciples? Well, eternity's in the balance again. Jesus tells you to. We do it because we love and care about people and because disciples make disciples. When you know who you are, you know what to do. I mean, what do you do? What, what all are we to include in that? All right, everybody grab your seats, get ready, all right? You do whatever God wants you to do. When it makes sense and when it doesn't make sense. When when it's popular and when it's not popular. When it's easy and when the cost is huge. Disciples not only listen to God, they're obedient. I think most of you know this part of scripture. The truth will what? Set you free. Most do not know the first part of that verse. It says this, so Jesus said to those who believed in him, here we go, if you obey my teaching, you're my real disciples. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. See, obedient. They obey my my teachings. It's not, hey, I'm obedient, I'm good. No, it's continual obedience. It's growing obedience that amps up over time. Again, it's not so much what you know. It's about how much you love God and how much you obey God. See, you only believe the part of the Bible that you do. Sex within the confines of marriage. Eh, That sounds old-fashioned to me. I don't think that's what God really meant. 
the, the whole tithe thing. I mean, it is, is it really referring to me giving 10%? I mean, you know, where I'm at? Friends, I could go on and on and on with stuff people, they find in the Bible, they go, yeah, I don't think God really meant that. When you run across something in Scripture and it challenges you, you don't like it. And trust me, I've read many things. I think, I don't like that. I'm, I, that sounds pretty tough. Do you try and explain it away? Or do you just obey it? See, you either believe God's word is true or you don't. When you believe, when you obey, when, when you feel the, the Holy Spirit prompt you to do something, maybe reach out to someone or help someone or take a stand for something, here's a question, key question here. Are you obedient? Are you obedient? When you're obedient to God, it sets you free. It really does. It sets you free from the expectations of other people because you don't care. It sets you free from guilt and shame. Why? Because you're being obedient. So you don't have to feel guilt. You don't have to feel shame. It sets you free from fear and anxiety. Why? Because you, when you obey God, it means you trust God. Obedience. <laughs> That's what leads to freedom. Now, don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying it happens overnight, all right? But as you walk with God, as you continue to obey and stay faithful in that obedience, you do find freedom. And you also find that you're more and more like Jesus Christ. Jesus said, but if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you're my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. Hmm. Christians, are you growing? Are, are you growing in your obedience to God? Are, are you producing fruit in your life? When you look at your life, does it bring glory to God? Friends, this stuff's all connected and interconnected. It, it's not just, oh, I'm good on that, good on that. It's all just interwound. You know, Jesus said this to his disciples. He said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Deny yourself. That's tough, isn't it? Not my plans. Not my plans, God. It's yours, whatever you want. Take up your cross. <laughs> God, I'm willing to sacrifice whatever it is you want me to sacrifice. 
willing to sacrifice myself if necessary. I mean, how far, how far will you go? Says something about your love. Follow Jesus Christ. Follow him wherever it takes you. Doesn't really matter. I don't care where I'm going. Just want to follow. Obedience. <laughs> it's a tough one, isn't it? Obedient because we love God. Because we love people. Hear me. Christians, do not forget who you are in Jesus Christ. Because when you know who you are, you absolutely know what to do in life. It gets clearer and clearer and clearer. When you know who you are, I would challenge you, know who you are in Christ. You know, if God's touched you in some way and you go, you know what, I need to reboot this whole thing. There are going to be people down front after the service. Just come down. Let them pray with you. Just say, you don't have to go into detail. Just say, pray for me. I want to reboot. I want to restart today. You know, maybe there's something you've been putting off, not being obedient, and God just presses you. Just say, you know what, today's the day. I'm done playing games. When you know who you are, what? You know what to do. God, we praise you. God, we thank you. Lord, I thank you for inviting us to follow you. To be your disciples. God, sometimes in this world it just, things get kind of fuzzy. But God, when we put you first, oh, it clears it up a lot. God, forgive us when we move you down. Second, third, fourth, fifth place sometimes. It's so far down, it's just embarrassing. God, may we keep you front and center. God, those times when, when we feel down, when we feel lost, when we're not sure which way, God, I pray you'd remind us who we are, who you created us to be, who you've called us to be. Not someone we're gonna be, it's who we are. God, may we follow you wherever it takes us. God, we thank you for every opportunity. We thank you for every day. It's in Christ's holy name we pray. And all God's people said, Invite you just to join in worship. You want to sing with us, sing, lift your voice to God. If you just want to take it in, just take it in. And uh, we're going to, no turning back, no turning back.